If you would please turn in the back of your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Last week, it was my goal to prepare us for the rest of this magnificent book by laying out for you an understanding that in Revelation 12 through 22, what God is doing is he's pulling back the curtain and he's telling his people there is a reason why you face so much conflict as Christians. There are these key characters that are behind all of your conflicts. And this morning, uh, we're going to now go back through chapter 12. And we're going to focus on the boss of our enemies, the devil. And I'm always aware that the passage is greater than the sermon, and I'm even more aware of that today. Revelation 12 is so important, and, and for that reason, we're going to go through it in, in two weeks, but, but this week, what I want to do is to, is to preach the whole passage so we understand what's going on with the devil. And I believe that the devil is most active on Sunday mornings when God's people come to adore Jesus Christ. So, we need someone greater than him to help us to see and adore Jesus Christ. And the good news is there is someone greater than him. Let's pray to him now. Oh God, we love you. You are our strength. You are our rock and our fortress and our deliverer. In you we take refuge. You are our shield and we need a shield because the enemy's attacks are so severe. You are the horn of our salvation. You are our stronghold. And we're calling upon you. You are worthy of our trust. You are worthy of our love. You are worthy of our affection. You are worthy of our praise. And so we call upon you to save us from our enemies. Oh Lord, would you do that today? Through the preaching of your word. Enable the hearts 
for the eyes of our hearts to see and adore your son. We pray this in his name. Amen. If you're able to stand, please stand as I read to us the portion of God's word that he has laid out for us this morning. And I want you to pay attention to this figure in this passage, the dragon, who we're told is the devil. And I want you to pay attention to what he does, where he goes, who he's after. Revelation chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, And Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. 
Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. May he bless the preaching and hearing of it. Now, there's loads of interesting stuff in this passage. I hope you're interested. I hope you're curious. There's, there's heavenly royalty. There's angels getting in this great battle. But it's really clear there are, are just a few really key characters in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, we've got this, this male child who we're told is to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And we know from Psalm 2 that that is God's son. And we know because of that language being used at the end of the book of Revelation that this is Jesus Christ. That's who this child is who is born in the first few verses. And so the woman who's giving birth to that child, we think immediately of Mary. We think we should think of Christmas. But if we're in the book of Revelation and we've got symbols like this, we know that symbols do a whole lot of work. In the book of Revelation. And so this woman is not just Mary. This woman is also. It says in the. In the pains of childbirth. Which takes us back. Revelation is understood by opening the rest of our Bible. It takes us back to the beginning of our Bible. Where we see Eve. Who would have pains in childbirth. And would give birth to a son. Who would defeat the devil. We have the child. We have the woman. But it's clear because of how Revelation 12 goes on that the main character in this chapter, because we keep following him, is this dragon. So this morning, in part one of going through Revelation chapter 12, I want to talk to you about the unrelenting attacks of the devil. The unrelenting attacks of the devil. Did you see that? The devil is is poised in the beginning and he's making an attack on this one child. And then all of a sudden we're caught up into heaven and, and the devil is then attacking the other angels. And then after that he then goes after the woman. And then after that he goes after the rest of her offspring. Revelation 12 tells us that the devil attacks us in an unrelenting way. This is so practical. This is everyday belief kind of stuff, beloved. You need to know about the unrelenting attacks of the devil. He's out of our sight, he works in the shadows. But God wants you to know you have an enemy. And as if describing him in the beginning of the Bible as being this venomous snake, as if that weren't scary enough for you. By the time we get to Revelation 12, he has morphed, he has grown, not only in power, but also in ferocity. That snake is now, verse 3, a great dragon. Let's just look 
at how he's described here. Your enemy is described as having seven heads. That means you can't sneak up on him. You, you may be able to sneak up on that copperhead or rattlesnake. You cannot sneak up on the devil. He has eyes everywhere. He also has ten horns. And in the Bible, horns means power. There are ten of them, which means he has not just eyes in every direction. He has power, all power. That's what ten means. All power. Seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems, or seven crowns. That means in terms of the earth, he's the king. In terms of this world, he has all royal authority over every creature. Will you take this to heart? Humanity is up against an enemy. And it's a dragon. What chance do little people have? As we walk through, I want you to be encouraged by this. Take in how ferocious he is. Know that he is unrelenting in his attacks. But see this throughout the Revelation 12. Whenever the devil comes against, the deliverer comes through. When the devil comes against, the deliverer every single time comes through. So we're going to walk through Revelation 12. In three parts, and it's the three stages of the devil's attacks. The first stage is his commitment to devour this son, verses 1 through 12. Stage one, this is the big one, and so it's the one we're going to take the most time on. His first stage is to devour the son. Now, let me, let me try to lay out for you. What is happening in verses 1 through 12? I want to make the case that verses 1 through 6 and verses 7 through 12 are happening at the same time. There's, what we get is in verses 1 through 6, what's happening on earth. There's this plan on earth. And at the same time in verses 7 through 12, there's something happening in heaven. And the reason I believe that is because what the dragon is doing on earth is trying to consume this child, but then we're told that he's thrown out of heaven in verses 7 through 12 after this battle with the angels because of the blood of the Son. What happened on earth, there was this other thing happening in heaven, and there were consequences in heaven. They're happening at the same time. So let's look first at earth, at danger. In the manger. Verses 1 through 6. I don't know how you celebrate Christmas. And what you are imagining in the nativity scene. But here is John's revelation of the nativity. And it's danger in the manger. 
I want God wants us to take in that this is a hopeless situation. There's an all seeing, all powerful, giant dragon. And then there's this woman. Who's giving birth. We have women here who have given birth. I don't know how up for a battle with a dragon you are when you're in the pains of childbirth. But there's the the idea is if there's a great dragon who sees everything, he's all powerful and his mouth is open to eat this child the moment he's born. And the only one to defend this child is this woman who's in the pains of childbirth. It's a hopeless situation. She cannot fight him off. In other words, this baby is certain to be devoured if that's his enemy. And that's the way he's going to attack. But whenever the devil comes against, the deliverer comes through. Because what we see in verse 5 is immediately this child upon birth is caught up to God. Now, in verse five, we have a summary of the entire life of Jesus. Because we have the birth and then he's all of a sudden caught up. But what what we know Jesus did through the Gospels happened all in that time. And yet it's being represented as this one moment. We're going to talk about this more next week in our in part two of the. Chapter 12, but I want you to get this point now, the devil wanted to devour the son. And it looked like there was nothing that could save him. And then God delivers him. God snatches the baby up to safety in this high drama split second before the dragon's teeth close. Whenever. The devil comes against the deliverer comes through. And this is to teach us that that baby and the reason he was coming to be born. He fulfilled that purpose and Satan had a purpose and he did not get what he wanted. And the son goes right back into heaven. The devil wants to devour the son. He wanted I want you to think about this. He wanted to kill the son. And if you know what the Bible teaches about Jesus, we know that he died. So did he get his way? Obviously not. Revelation 12 is saying the dragon is there, but he doesn't get him. I want you to be totally convinced. Jesus had to die a certain way. He didn't just have to die. And the dragon is interested in him dying in any way except for the one way that he died. And God made it so that he was going to die on a cross. And the devil doesn't want that because of what the devil hates. Listen, what does the devil hate most and why is he focused on devouring this son? Why is that stage one? Because he doesn't want our salvation 
And he doesn't want Christ's exaltation. Whatever you think the devil's after, that is the number one thing. And if you're thinking the devil's after something that has nothing to do with your salvation, you're completely wrong. And if you don't think that his first target is not the son of God, then you're completely wrong. You only mean something and I only mean something to the devil because of what we can be to the son of God. There was danger in the manger, but God delivered the baby. And meanwhile, the devil was in God's house in heaven in verses 7 through 12 at the same time. Now, I want you to think about this as well. It, 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 it may be surprising to you to hear, think about the manger scene as being dangerous, but that's exactly what it was. It should equally surprise you to hear that the devil was in heaven. What's he doing up there? Why is he allowed up there? Well, verses 7 through 12 are teaching us that the devil was there in heaven in a way that he can't be any longer. That when the son shed his blood and conquered on the cross, he was not allowed anymore. He has no more place in heaven, the text says. So I want you to just think back before the cross. And how Satan is presented as being before our God. You remember the story of Job, right? Where he's just prowling around and looking for someone to accuse. And then he, then he shows up before God and God says to him, have you considered my servant Job? And there, there's this conversation where the devil makes all these accusations against God's servant. Well, Jesus said that when he came and right before he went to the cross, it says in John chapter 12, Jesus said, now I'm judging the world and the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. When I am lifted up, when I am lifted up on the cross, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cast the ruler, the devil out of this world. And so we see in Revelation chapter 12, look there in verse 7, there's a war arising in heaven. And Michael and his angels are fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels are fighting back. But look, whenever the devil comes against, the deliverer comes through. It says in verse 8, but then he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. The ancient serpent was thrown down. The one who is called the devil and Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now is the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Now it has come. How does it come? The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them night and day before our God because he was up there in the presence of God. He was accusing God's people. That's what he was doing night and day. But now, verse 11 says, they have conquered him. How? Because the blood of the Son has been shed, the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, because now the devil is gone. And we don't have to deal with them anymore, but woe to you, O earth. And that's where we are. And see, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. 
because he knows that his time is short. The devil was in God's house. But then once Jesus Christ shed his blood as a lamb, that is as a sacrifice for others. The angels get up there and a victim. You can't be here anymore. Because all these accusations you keep making that we've allowed you to make all these years. You have no argument anymore. Because all their sins have been covered by the blood of a lamb and God has accepted them. You got to go. I wonder if any of you. At times struggle with the question. Am I a Christian? And and do you struggle with your assurance of salvation specifically when you are struggling with sin? Revelation 12 is really valuable to us. Because it makes this point. Once the blood of the lamb is shed, the accusations can't stand. You see this? So if you're believing in Jesus and you're trusting in his blood and his life to cover your sins. The accusations against you and all your sinfulness cannot stand. The ground of our assurance for anyone who's a Christian, what are you basing your assurance on? And in Revelation 12, it is in the ascension of Jesus that he was caught up to God. Think about it. Verse 5 happens, and then the angels say, you got to go. When Jesus dies on the cross and is in a grave... And then is raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead, but he didn't even leave him here on earth. He said, you got to come back up here. And Jesus goes back into heaven. The ascension, the fact that he's not here anymore, is the grounds for why his accusations can't be made any longer. you got to stop that. You get out of here. We're not even going to let you talk to God anymore. If you want assurance, you need to think about the ascension. That he's no longer here. That he's already accomplished. All that God sent him to do. And you need to trust in him. And his work. You need to believe. Whenever the devil came against. The deliverer came through. You, you need to be sober. And you need to understand. There is a devil. And he's got unrelenting rage. And then you need to believe. That there is a God. And he is undefeated. And is delivering. Undefeated every single time. He delivers. So uh, this is just so practical. I want to talk to the people who who struggle at times because your sins are so great. And part of becoming a mature Christian is every little sin offends us. Increasingly, we're so bothered by our sin. That's the thing that bothers us more than other people's sin. And I'm not talking about the people that we prayed for earlier who just don't take their sin seriously. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about Christians who take their sin seriously. There are going to be times if you're a believer where you're going to be overwhelmed by your sin. And there's an accuser. 
And what he's going to do is he's going to say, you belong to me. Don't you see you belong to me? You live like me. You're mine. You're deceived into thinking that you belong to Christ. Don't you know no one can stop me? How could God love you? And when you feel that because of your guilt, your real guilt, because of your real sin, then you just remember, no, he came for me at Christmas. The son of God left heaven to come for me. He came for this battle and he came. And when the devil comes at a believer and says, you cannot be forgiven. You just keep on doing this sin over and over. This sin is too great. You've done it too many times. I want you to remember that there are saints who've gone before us who are really acquainted more so than others with the unrelenting attacks of the devil. And one of those saints was Martin Luther. He was so sensitive about his sin. He felt guilty so frequently. He struggled with assurance. And it was as if the devil lived in a room with him. And in one of Martin Luther's dreams, he dreamed that Satan came up to him with a scroll of parchment that was wide and it was long and it was all rolled up and totally covered with ink. And he he unrolled that scroll and he said, Luther, read this. And as Luther started reading, he realized this is a careful record of my sins. And he was reading through in this dream all the record of his sins. And he was hoping I'm going to find one of these sins that the devil is throwing in my face. And one of them is going to be unfair. But he realized not. No, they're all real. I'm guilty of every single one of these. And he was even reminded of things that he had neglected, that that he had forgotten all of his guilt. And in the dream, he said to Satan, is this everything? And Satan said, no. And then he brought back an equally large and wide and full scroll. And, And Martin Luther said, let me see all of them. And he read through all of them and he said, is this everything? And Satan said, yes. And then Luther said, take your pen. And it's a cool dream. I mean, he starts talking about (laughs) Satan. I'm going to give you an order. Take your pen and write in red across all the scroll. The blood of God's son cleanses me from every sin. I wonder if there's anyone today. Who the devil is writing out your guilt. And has lots of evidence. I wonder if anyone has come. And right now God is helping you to see just how true is your guilt. I want you to understand. Whenever the devil writes it all out. The son invites us to himself. He draws us to himself. Do you believe that there is a record of every sin you've forgotten and done? Do you believe that the son of God came to this world and that he died willingly and that he was sinless? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead, that 
he brought him into heaven, that he's not still on earth and he's not in some grave because God accepted his blood for sinners. If you believe that, if you will trust in Jesus and if you will turn from living without him, then he will save you and all of his blood will cover all of your sins. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ and the devil is going to attack you and he's going to do so in an unrelenting way. And there are going to be seasons where he's coming back to you again and again. And he's going to say to you, you're never going to make it. And you should say, again in the words of Luther, I admit I deserve death. And I admit I deserve hell. But what of it? I know one who suffered and satisfied God on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And where he is, there I will be also. And he's not here, beloved. He's not here. He was snatched up to God. He was delivered What I'm saying is, if you want assurance of your salvation, you need to focus on the ascension. You need to focus on the ascension, that he's no longer here. And and how the ascension led to the devil's eviction. That's what you need to understand. God's not hearing it anymore. The Son of God was here on earth. And he did what he did. And then God raised him up into heaven. And now he's up there at the throne, it says. I mean, mean, you you understand in our community what a a scarecrow is and how the idea of a scarecrow is it stands in the field and it wards off all these birds, right? Well, there is a something far greater than a scarecrow. There is a living, imposing, almighty savior who is standing in heaven by the throne, and he is unwilling to listen to any more of Satan's accusations because the sins of his people were covered by his own blood. So when the devil tries to keep on talking to him, he says, get with the program and get out my house. He just evicts him and sends him out of heaven. And that should be a great encouragement. Revelation 12 is what we should visit over and over again. Because it says in verse 11, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb. And they conquered him by the testimony of Jesus. In other words, if you are testifying, Jesus is my hope. And his blood was shed and God accepted it. Then the devil has no more chance of keeping you out of heaven than he did in keeping Christ off the throne. It's done. The devil came against to devour the son and the deliverer came through. He's a fierce failure. And he's discouraged. The devil is discouraged, it says. And then in verse 12, he's discouraged. He knows his time is short. But he's not derailed. He's not derailed. His attacks are unrelenting. And so there's a stage two in his plan, and that is in verses 13 through 16. Where he moves from devouring the son to drowning the woman. He wants to drown the woman. Now remember, the woman starts with Eve. But we were told in Genesis 3 that there was a line of people who believed like Eve. So the woman in verse 13 is 
God's believing people out of whom Jesus is born. God's believing people. That's who this woman is, that that the enemy is coming to drown. He opens up his mouth and pours out this flood in order to drown the woman. It says in, in, in chapter 12 and verse 14, the woman, though, who had get, given birth to the male child, the people of God, Jesus comes out of the people of God, and, and, and the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness. To the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. So, look, the woman goes into the wilderness for a time, times, and half a time. See that in verse 14? Now look back in verse 6. Right after the, the child was caught up to the throne of God, the woman fled into the wilderness. In other words, verses 7 through 12 was like, what was happening, what else was happening meanwhile? Does that make sense? So we're told that the woman goes to the wilderness for 1260 days, which is a time, which is a year, and two years, times, now three years, and half a time. So three and a half years is 1260 days that the woman is in the wilderness, and this is what's happening to her. The serpent is then going after her because he's been cast down. Now he has no access in heaven, and this is what he's doing. This is what he's doing the entire time. That God's believing people are in the wilderness, which is the entire time after Jesus was ascended into heaven and before he comes back. This is what's happening. He's trying to drown the woman. Well, I hope you're following me. Because God is teaching us this so that every single person who believes in Jesus would be completely assured. That whenever the devil comes against, the deliverer comes through. But. We're foolish. If we think that just because the devil has no grounds to accuse us. That he's just given up on attacking us. That's what he's doing in the wilderness. We live in the wilderness because the wilderness is dangerous. You Texans got to get this in the middle of deer season. We think we're all tough with all our guns or whatever. But in the wilderness, it says it's a place of woe and wrath. Woe to you, O earth. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath. And he's come down to you in the wild. The wilderness is a place where it's hard to find food. The wilderness is a place where it's hard to survive because predators are after us. That's where the Christian life is lived until Christ comes back. We are told to expect in our life. Wants. That are associated with the wilderness. I mean circumstances that are woe-filled. If you're a Christian thinking you're not going to go through hard things, you don't understand Christianity. It is defined by it. This is where we live in the wilderness. That's where the woman, God's people, are. 
We are not surprised when circumstances come into our life where we find ourselves saying, yeah, Ryan, that sounds great that whenever the devil comes against, the deliverer comes through, but he hasn't come through yet. Not in this circumstance that I'm facing right now. He comes against us in the wilderness. When we're waiting, when we're wanting, whenever we're disappointed, that's when the devil comes against us. I'm not saying that because you're waiting for something, that's the devil. No, no, no. God sends the woman to the wilderness. When you're waiting and wanting for something, that's not the devil. And sometimes this is the part of the devil's deception is you think your hard circumstances are because of the devil. No, God sends us to the wilderness. But the devil meets us there when we're disappointed. And that's when he works in our disappointment. That's when verse 15, it says the serpent pours water like a river. Notice out of His mouth. To drown and sweep her away. The devil attacks with a flood out of his mouth. The deceiver of the whole world. So when you are in the wilderness. I don't want you to die. This is what I'm saying. I don't want you to die. Christian, I don't want your faith to die. And so I'm telling you right now, the wilderness is where we are. And therefore, you're going to have woeful circumstances where the devil's coming after you in wrath. And when you are waiting. And wanting. And disappointed. Then a flood of lies is going to come. A flood of deceptions is going to come. That's what the flood is. You need truth. I just keep saying it over and over. You're going to need truth. Or you will be swallowed up by the devil. Christian, I want you to be encouraged. Whenever the devil comes against, the deliverer comes through. And it says of the woman, whenever the flood comes against her in verse 16, God causes the earth to swallow up the flood that was meant to swallow her up. God is faithful, which means you've got to keep trusting him. And it's going to be hardest in the wilderness when you're disappointed. The devil seeks to devour the son, drown the woman. He fails every time. And then verse 17 tells us that he's furious about it. He's furious about Failing, but he's resilient and he's unrelenting. So stage three and the last one is that he comes to destroy the children. He comes to destroy her children. Verse 17 says, then the dragon became furious with a woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Notice who the offspring are. Notice who the believing people are. It's those who keep the commandments of God and those who hold to the testimony of Jesus And then the dragon stood on the sand of the sea. The rest of her offspring. So that you and I don't just think, oh, that must have just been in Mary's day. 
That just must have been what happened in the first century. That must just be something that happens with the seven churches in the book of Revelation. No, it's the believing people of God and every believing person of God who comes after that. And he's so furious, but he's unrelenting the devil. And so what it says is, I'm going to destroy the, the, the children, but I'm going to stand on the sea to do it. And chapter 13, from the sea is going to come these helpers. He's frustrated. Because he can't get the job done by himself, and so he's going to call for reinforcements so that he can keep on coming at us. Beloved, he is out to destroy us. But that is not to destroy us by making us miserable. That is not to destroy us by making us poor. That is not to destroy us by giving us cancer. That's not to destroy us by stranding us in Venita, Oklahoma. Good heavens. And you ain't got no competence to help with cars. That's not what he's doing. He's used, those are tools he's using. That's not what he's doing. He's using those circumstances to destroy your faith. To destroy your trust in the Son. And to destroy your faithfulness. That's why he says, I'm coming to destroy those who keep the commandments. And those who hold to the testimony. I'm coming to take away their faithfulness so they don't keep the commandments. I'm coming to make them turn away from trusting in Jesus. And the devil's going to do it. He may have already done it to you today. He may have already come against you in that kind of way today. He, he, he loves to do this kind of thing in Christmas season. This is prime time to come against you. The devil is a bit like Michael Jordan in this way. The basketball player. You know, MJ may, may have been stressed when the time was running out, but he was always going to do his best. The devil... Has little time, but he's going to do everything he can. He's unrelenting in his attacks. So, when he comes against you, just know your deliverer is going to come through. This is the pattern. He comes against, the deliverer comes through. He comes against, the deliverer comes through. He comes against, the deliverer comes through. When he comes against you, you may have to wait a long time, but you've got to be convinced my deliverer's coming. Will you trust? Will you keep obeying him? Will you hold on to your testimony when he's attacking you relentlessly? Beloved, our deliverer is not going to deliver us from our difficulties. He's going to deliver us through our difficulties. So hold on. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask that you would cause this people to trust in the Son. Who was so thoroughly successful. We can just summarize all the great miracles he did. The things that he did that no one else could. Coming first as a baby. We can summarize all that by just saying the devil wanted to devour him, but he was caught up. 
God, help us have total trust in that baby. And give you the honor you deserve in our trust. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.